Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel, if you go back there, chapter 6, verse 2, the Philistines, seven months was definitely enough for them. So they're trying to figure out what to do now. So the Philistines could have been the lords of the Philistines here, the leaders of the five cities we mentioned last week. 1 Samuel 6, 2, called for the priests and the diviners. They called for the religious leaders, those who were picking up Dagon and all that. And they said, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we shall send it to its place. Now we want it out of here, but we'd like some advice because bad things are happening in our cities, in our towns, and to our people. Tell us, what's your suggestion, guys? Now you need to understand that because the... Um, Ark was captured and put into the temple of their God and these bad things happened to their God. What they have to admit now is that they've suffered a defeat. That their God is not stronger than the God of the Bible, than Yahweh. As a matter of fact, he's weaker and they've suffered a religious and political defeat. They've got to confess it and, and they're going to. Much like the priests in Pharaoh's court have to finally acknowledge, <laughs> we're in trouble. We can't match the power of this God. And so they say, tell us. They call for the priests and the diviners. Just a side note. Divination is a word that you've probably heard before. It's the attempt to obtain hidden, veiled, or esoteric or secret knowledge. These diviners claim that they could uh, predict the future and, and they could do this by omen. So they looked for patterns of flights of birds. They would even uh, cut open an animal and look at its innards to see different things and try to read omens and things like that. And you've heard of some of the weird stuff that happens in some of these circles where an omen is given, right? Well, that's what the diviners did. They tried to figure out what the gods might be saying. And so they're called upon and they're asked, what should we do? How do we deal with uh, this particular uh, god or, or his holy object? Because it's killing our people everywhere. What should we do? People were crying in the towns. If you go back to chapter 5 and verse 10, 510, so they sent the ark of God to Ekron. This is the last recorded place we know it, it's located. And it happened as the ark of God came to Ekron, the Ekronites cried out saying, they have brought the ark of God, the God of Israel, around to us to kill us and our people. They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of the God of Israel. Let it return to its own place that it may not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly confusion throughout the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. Notice this. And the men who did not die, so this was a radical judgment, were smitten with tumors and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Commentators have mentioned that there are many allusions, not illusions, but allusions, alluding to the story of the Exodus. And that, remember, when the final plague came upon the people of Egypt and there wasn't one household where somebody wasn't dead, there was a great cry that went up to heaven in Egypt. A great cry. And Pharaoh arose in the night, he and his servants, all the Egyptians. There was a great cry in Egypt. Every household had a dead person. 
And he said to Moses, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel. Go and worship the Lord as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds as you have said, and go. And Pharaoh had to add this. And bless me also, would you please? And the Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. That's Exodus 12, 30 through 33. Finally, even the Egyptians said, please let the Israelites leave and please, I hope their God goes with them. Because bad things have hap- been happening around here. Indeed, 10 plagues and they weren't pretty. They were judgments against the Egyptians and against their gods. And so they said in 1 Samuel 6, 3, If you send away the ark of the God of Israel, now the priests and the diviners are talking, do not send it empty, but you shall surely return to him, would you notice, a guilt or trespass offering. Then, now I don't think they know what they're talking about, but they they say, then you shall be healed and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Okay, send the ark back, but send him some gifts. Send him some stuff. And you're going to see that what they send is these golden objects. And it reminds us of the people of Israel going out of Egypt. They were going with the gold of the Egyptians. The people were saying, here, t- take the dress, take the shoes, just go. Right? That's what was happening. And so we're going to make some stuff for this God. And in the ancient world, here's what they thought. They thought that the gods elevated themselves in pantheons by defeating other gods. And you had to appease the victorious. How about now? There we go. I don't even know what I was saying now. So the, the view of the, the ancients was you had to appease these gods who were the more powerful gods or the gods that were reigning at this time. And, and what you did is you gave them gifts. And sadly, sometimes they would even offer their firstborn to these gods. I want to appease the god of rain or the god of lightning or the god of crops, so I'll do this for you. I'll do that for you. So this is the mindset. I don't know that they're acknowledging that the God of Israel is the true God, but they're certainly doing something that fits with their worldview. One's worldview is really how you approach not only living, but how you see your spiritual life. There are many people who pray. There are many people that think, if I can appease God in some way, then I'll get blessings. It's sold, by the way, on religious television Week in and week out. Here's the formula. And if you can tap into what you want to get out of this God, it's sold and marketed everywhere, folks. It, there's people who are multimillionaires selling this stuff. right? Just, just appease the God. Here, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. And all of a sudden you get everything you want. And so the people who left uh, Egypt didn't leave empty-handed and... Now, in a reverse way, they are saying, well, send something to this God of Israel. And they said, well, what shall be the guilt offering, verse 4, chapter 6, which, which we shall return to him? And they said, five golden tumors. Wow. And five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. Well, one plague was on all of you and on your lords. Well, here's an idea. Since you've been impacted so terribly by these tumors and apparently mice were running around everywhere, 
I told you that the uh, Philistines were a seafaring people and some conjecture that rats or mice were connected to plagues. Some have even argued that the bubonic plague was involved here. We don't know for sure. I don't know how you make a model of a tumor, by the way. There are some scholars that believe that they have, they have combined the, the mouse or the rat with the tumor, and it's one idea, but, but there's some verses that I would say probably not. But what I do think that they sent uh, back to the God of Israel was a small-looking mouse with big ears. I'm just kidding. The mouse has powerful lawyers, so I'm not going to mention his name. But anyway. (laughs) Okay, we'll move on. (laughs) Five golden tumors, five golden mice, and a partridge in a pear tree. According to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for one plague was on all of you and your lords. Now, I don't know if they're just reaching here. (laughs) I don't don't know. But this is... This is like, well, we'll make something of gold. And since this is the way you've been afflicted, well, then this is what we'll do. So you shall make likenesses of your tumors. One writer said, I don't know if one of the Philistine lords had to pose for the sculptor. You shall make likenesses of your tumors. (laughs) Sorry for that. And likenesses of your mice that ravage the land. And you shall give glory to the God of Israel, perhaps... He will ease his hand from you. Would you notice this last part? Your gods and your land. Uh, wait a minute. Who, who's talking here? Isn't this the Philistine priests and diviners who believe that Dagon is God? And, but they seem to have disassociated themselves from him. Uh, maybe God will lift his hand from uh, you guys, your land, and, and your gods. Wait a minute. You're the priest here. What do you mean? It's like, parents, you know. Do you know what your kid did today? <laughs> right? And notice that God's is plural. So it's not just Dagon that God has dealt a blow to. Maybe there were other gods in Dagon's temple. Maybe we don't have all the information. Maybe more of them were on their face before the ark, and we don't. And maybe the writer, narrator just focused on Dagon could be because God's is plural and God this is reminiscent also of the Exodus remember God's judgment he said when he gives the plagues they will be against the the people of Egypt and against I will execute judgment on their gods every one of the plagues of Egypt was a plague specifically to mock a god of Egypt and so God's is plural and the advice of the idolaters is not surprising. They say, make little idols to appease this God. And so, whatever that looked like, uh, maybe his hand will ease off of us, if, or you, if we do this. So why then do you, verse 6, harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? Now remember, when the, when the ark came into the camp of Israel, the Philistines did say, we're, we're in trouble now. This is the God, and they even said gods because they misunderstood it, but who, who did these things against the Egyptians, but we better fight because we're done for. They thought they were done for. They knew the story of Egypt. And by the way, 
Just a side note for the whole Calvinism-Arminian debate. (laughs) This is not where you would expect to find a verse like this. Apparently, the Philistine priests believed that God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart, but that he hardened his own heart. Just a side note. Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts when he had severely dealt with them? Did they not allow the people to go and they departed? Why are you doing the same thing as Pharaoh? Well, we don't see that they hardened their hearts, but they did hold on to the ark for seven months. Maybe, maybe they kept wondering, you know, maybe this will lift from us. Maybe it's not him. Maybe Dagon just fell. Maybe all these other gods just fell. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's coincidence that these things are happening. How many people are trying to convince themselves right now? They sense that God is working in their life and they're trying to pin it to coincidence. Ah, that's, that's a coincidence. That, that's a coincidence. That's a coincidence. And somebody has well said that sometimes when you say there's a coincidence, that's, that's just God uh, not making himself manifest, if you will. He's kind of disguising himself, if you will. Don't harden your heart. Now therefore, take and prepare a new cart. Here's the advice. It's going to get very detailed. And two milch or milk cows, seven, on which there has never been a yoke. They've never been trained. They've never been connected to a yoke. And hitch the cows to the cart. Take their calves. So they were feeding cows. They were feeding little calves. Take their calves home away from them. So they're starting to give advice now. And they said, let's take a cart, never been used. Let's take cows that have never been yoked. Take the ark of the Lord and place it on on the cart. Put the articles of gold which you, of which you returned to him as a guilt offering in a box by its side. Then send it away that it may go. And watch. If it goes up by the way of its own uh, territory to Beth Shemesh, literally the house of the sun, then, this is Israelite territory, then he has done us this great evil. We'll know it's him. But if not, then we shall know that it was not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. Now, that, that seems to be a stretch. I think they already know what's happened, right? But just in case, it's not him. We're going to do this little test. We're going to hitch the cows up. We're going to put the calves at home. The, the cows are going to naturally be drawn to the calves because they're feeding the calves. and They'll naturally be drawn this way. They've never had a yoke on. There's no reason that they would head for Israelite territory. But if they do, oh, 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 we're going to follow. We'll follow. And we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. And so they put the ark of the Lord on the cart 11, the box with the golden mice and the likenesses of their tumors. And the cows, now they're, they're all wondering. Everybody's got bated breath here. Maybe the priests are all dressed up and I don't know how they're all affected by their tumors, but they're following the cart, right? What's going to happen? What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. And the cows took the straight way in the direction of Beth Shemesh. They went along the highway, literally along one highway. It's like they made their own road and they were lowing as they went. It's almost like they were saying, want to go home, but some supernatural force was saying, you're taking the straight way today. And they didn't move. To the right or to the left. They didn't turn aside. To the right or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines followed. This is a cracker. 
they, they got to make a movie out of this. I don't know if they're hiding behind buildings and bushes. Mm. Pass me the, the medicine. And they followed them to the border of Beth Shemesh. And the cows, man, they never even moved. And they're, of course, what are they pulling? They're pulling the Ark of the Covenant. And they've made a highway for our God, Isaiah 40, you know. They've cleared the path, if you will. These cows, they're not going anywhere but where God wants them to go. They're taking the straight way because the power of God is on display. Beth Shemesh was close to the border of Philistia, about seven to eight miles east of Ekron in the foothills of the central mountain range in the territory of Judah. It's probably chosen because it was the nearest Israelite settlement to which the ark could be sent. And so here come the cows. And they're traveling, and they're not budging, man. They haven't made one move toward their calves. They have made one move toward their home. They've never been yoked before, and they're just taking a straight, they're taking the narrow road right towards this Israelite settlement. Now, the people of Beth Shemesh, 13, were reaping the wheat harvest in the valley. By the way, the wheat harvest is uh, something that happens in the spring, the wheat harvest is connected to the day of Pentecost. In Acts 2.1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. It's known as the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Shavuot. By the way, it's on the Jewish calendar and it happens during the same time of the year and it was a mandatory feast for you to participate in. It was actually 50 days after the the spring feast connected to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And it was during the feast of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit was, what? Poured out upon the church. And 3,000 souls came in in a harvest into the kingdom of God. It's harvest imagery. And what happened was, um, as Israel's life as a nation went on, especially during the end of the intertestamental period between Malachi and Matthew. Shavuot was refocused to the anniversary of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai because it was reckoned to have happened 50 days after the Exodus. Jewish tradition associated wind, fire, and voices with Sinai. And the three phenomenon are described in Acts chapter 2. And what's interesting is if it is around Pentecost or the wheat harvest, what is traveling towards Beth Shemesh is the Ark of the Covenant and inside of the Ark is the Ten Commandments. The giving of the law was celebrated at this time. And what's also interesting is that God is a God of harvest. He wants to bring in a harvest of souls. Jesus says, Jesus talks about the harvest being the end of the age. He talks about the fact that we are to go into the harvest for the fields are white unto harvest. And so here comes the, the two cows and the ark on this cart. And the people are rejoicing. The people of Israel are taking in the, what was planted in the fall. They're taking it in the late spring, probably about around our May, June. And they're reaping the harvest, a very joyous time. And they look and behold. I mean, this was all over the news. This was in the local papers. Ark taken by the Philistines. News at 11. 
This was, I don't know if you can understand how devastating this was for Israel. The ark had never been captured by an enemy. It had never been taken from them. It was always the centerpiece of their worship. And now the ark had been taken by their arch enemies, the Philistines, their religious object. Ichabod was on the front page. The glory has departed. The Philistines have the ark. Life is different now. Yeah, maybe they're rejoicing over the harvest, but their main object where the Lord said, I'll meet you above that mercy seat is gone. The the nation has to be devastated. And these people are reaping the harvest in the valley. And they raised their eyes and saw. And what did they see? The ark. It'd be like planting tomatoes in your backyard and some... Religious object has been missing and here it comes, right to your house. And they lifted up their eyes. They saw the ark and they were glad. And the cart, 14, came into the field of who? Joshua. Now, we don't know anything about Joshua the Bethshemite, except that his name is quite intriguing. Because Joshua is the Hebrew name And in Greek, the name is Jesus. And the name means Yahweh is salvation. And here's a man, right? He's in this Beth Shemes area, which, by the way, this is a Levitical city. Just a side note. This is one of the cities marked as a Levitical city. So Levites are in the city. Joshua 21.16 is how you can identify that. And the cart came into the field of Joshua the Beshemite. It stood there, so they finally have stopped now, where there was a large stone. And they, the people of Beth Shemesh, split the wood of the cart and offered the cows. Now, the cows couldn't have imagined that this is how it was going to end, right? <laughs> we were on a trip to Israel and we were passing through some of the territory that's been a problem and uh, so they were telling us that there's, there's fields that still have landmines in them and people were asking, why, why, is there these, uh, why are these the, uh, fields all fenced up and there's all this, uh, what are the, when they put the wire up there that is dangerous to you? Barbed wire. So they're all bar- barbed wired off and so somebody on the tour bus said, why is that? And he said, well, there's still landmines out there that are active. And Somebody said, well, there's cows grazing out in that field. Why are there cows out there if there's mines out there? And, and the guy, the, our guide said, well, every now and then, <laughs> boom. <laughs> and somebody on the bus said, shredded beef. <laughs> so the, the ark is stopped next to this large stone. If you want to look this up, Google Beth Shemesh and this area, they've dug up some archaeological discoveries, very rocky area, and they don't know, I don't think they know for sure uh, where this stone would be, but there was enough of a flat area on this stone where it became um, a a place that uh, was a makeshift altar. So notice what happens now. Levites just happened to be in the city where this ark has gone. So the Levites, 15, took down the ark of the Lord. They're the only ones that could handle it, by the way. They were supposed to just not touch it, but use poles that was with it. 
and the box that was with it. So that now they got the box with the mice and, and the tumors, in which were the articles of gold, and they put them on the large stone, and we'll find out that they put the ark there as well. And the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrifices that day to the Lord. So now there's a sense in which they understand they've sinned against God. So they start offering burnt offerings to the Lord. They're not supposed to do this outside of the tabernacle, by the way. But there are Levites there, and they're the ones that can do the sacrifices. So they start to do this. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. And yet, this Holy One, you know, Jesus in the New Testament is even called by the demons the Holy One of God, or he's also called the Holy One of Israel. He came down. The Holy One became one of us, and he took on humanity, and he came to save us. And he was born on a Bethlehem night. We're coming quickly now to the Christmas season, and on that night when the angels saying glory to God in the highest. The Holy One entered time and space. You see, this one who is holy and just and righteous is also a God of love. The Bible says God is love. And it was love that caused God to send his son. God the Father sent God the Son. And the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him They will not perish. They'll have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent his son into the world that the world might be saved. And it comes down to this. It comes down to whether or not you would recognize the light of Christ and come to him. Will you turn from the kingdom of darkness, the power of darkness, and will you turn to the kingdom of light? You say, Pastor Michael, how do you really do that? Well, you do it through repentance and faith. Repentance is a, a word that may be out of style in many circles, but it simply means to turn, to do a 180, to stop going your way, to stop moving away from God and do a 180 and come to God through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you will repent of your sin and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, ask him into your life in prayer. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for ignoring you. I'm sorry for pushing down the truth. I'm sorry for running from you and running to my sin. I want to turn. I want to come home like the prodigal son came home. And here's the story. Here's the beauty of God. God is pictured in Luke 15 as the father just waiting for the son to come to his senses and come home. And when he does, he kills the fatted calf. He puts the sandals on his feet. He gives him the robe. He puts a ring on his finger. He kisses him and can't stop kissing him. He has a party. And he says, for this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. The Bible says that heaven, the angels, they all rejoice when one, just one sinner comes to repentance. Will you repent and believe today?